0: And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And when he went up and looked and said, there is nothing, and he said, go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The word of the Lord.
1: Thank you Pebbles and thank you all again for being with us this morning. This month of January we're uh, doing a series of messages called God Created Prayer. Our purpose in this is to seek to raise the level of prayer in our church. My hope, my longing for our church is that this year More of us would engage in individual prayer, and those of us who are married would begin praying more with our spouses. And to to assist with this, uh, this is something that will be not just this month, but continue throughout the year. We prepared a little short daily podcast called Building a Life of Prayer, just four and a half minutes a day, and it's on weekdays only. We're going through every teaching about prayer, every reference to prayer, every prayer in the Bible, Old and New Testaments. That's already begun, and you can access that wherever you uh, listen to podcast. And would you join with me in praying that the Holy Spirit would do something significant among us to raise the level of prayer in our church this year? This month, we're looking at Old Testament examples, and today, we're looking at the example of the prophet Elijah. Elijah has a very significant name. You look at his name on the screen, and Elijah's name is a double God-bearing name. A lot of the prophets in the Bible have a name that includes the, uh, the Hebrew word for God, El, Ezekiel, Daniel whose name means God is my judge. Some of the prophets have a name that ends in A-H, containing a form of the word Yahweh, uh, Micah, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah. But Elijah is a a double God-bearing name. He's got both the E-L and the J-A-H, and his name literally means, my God is Yahweh. Yahweh is the name God gave to Moses for himself, I am that I am, when he revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. He is the Lord. It's translated in our Old Testaments typically by the word Lord in all caps in most translations of the Bible. His name is significant because he arises in Israel at a very, very dark and evil time when the leadership of the nation was not turning people to the Lord, to Yahweh as their God. Uh, Elijah's ministry really depicts ministry in a dark time spiritually in a nation. And things were dark in Israel because the evil king Ahab was reigning in Israel. And here's what we read about Ahab. Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took as his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, who went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. That's a type of image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And that is saying a lot. <laughs> they had some bad, evil kings. But, but this Ahab seemed to be flagrantly defying God's word at every point, uh, making gods before him, making these graven, these carved images before him. And worse than all the kings of Israel before him, that's pretty bad. So it's in this setting, this bold prophet Elijah emerges And Elijah predicts a drought. We read these words. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Judgment on the land. Uh, Bold declaration by Elijah. In the name of the Lord before whom I stand. This drought would continue, we learn later in the Bible, for three and a half years. Now, the book of 1 Kings 17 verse 1 introduces us to this declaration of Elijah, but the chapter goes on to unfold some things happening through Elijah's ministry during the drought. For example, um, Elijah encounters a, a, a widow and her son, and their food is just running out. They have a little bit of water, a little bit of oil, and Elijah says, make a cake for me first, and your oil and and resources won't run out. And it happens, this miracle of multiplication of food for this widow and her son. Later, the widow's son dies, and Elijah actually raises him from the dead. So he's doing these miracles in this time of spiritual darkness and depravity, Uh, Some of the same types of miracles that Jesus did, multiplying food, raising the dead. It's one reason Elijah was known among Jews for uh, the following centuries as a great uh, prophet of great, great power. Now later at the beginning of chapter 18, God tells Elijah he's going to send rain upon earth. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Now for the rest of chapter 18, before the rain comes, there is, I think, the most dramatic and powerful of all of Elijah's miracles. He has a confrontation with 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah calls for a test. A bull is put on an altar as if it's being sacrificed and uh, Elijah lets them go first and says, whoever's God answers by fire on this sacrifice, He's God. He's the Lord. You call on your God. I'll call on the Lord God, the God who answers by fire. He is the Lord. And, of course, the prophets of Baal tried all day. No fire came, but then Elijah prays. He prays to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God sends fire. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, that is Yahweh, He is God. The Lord is God. He is God. So he's a powerful prophet. God really used this prophet in a wonderful way. Now let's get back to his prayer for rain. Because there had been this drought for, uh, for three and a half years. And now Elijah prays. And we're going to examine his prayer briefly this morning. Very simple prayer. And Elijah prays, first of all, in line with God's promise. In line with what God has promised, what God has said. We remember in verse 1, after many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, go show yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. So God has first told Elijah, I'll send rain. You go show yourself to Ahab, I'll send rain on the earth. So Elijah does that. He says to Ahab, go eat and drink. There's a sound of the rushing of rain. Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Now wait a minute. Now Elijah's going to pray for rain. And he's going to pray for rain for quite some time. The question is, why does he need to pray for rain now? God had already said, go show yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. God said he would do it. He gave his promise. So why does Elijah now bow down, put his face between his knees, begin praying, begin interceding for God to send rain. And it doesn't come right away. He prays for quite some time, we'll learn in a moment. Why does he have to pray? God already said he'd do it. Simply because, and this is one of the most important things about prayer I think we can grasp this month as we look at these examples, simply because God has chosen to work through the prayers of his people to bring about his will, to bring about his purposes. Is God's will going to be done on earth? Yes. But he tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. God has chosen to work through the prayers of his people to bring about his will, to bring about his purposes. Now, you may wonder, why? Why has God chosen to work that way? Why has God chosen to work through the requests, the prayers, the intercession of His people? Why has He chosen to work through people like Abraham, Moses, Elijah, you and me? Why does He tell us to pray all the time? Why does He tell us to bring our cares to Him, to cast our cares on the Lord, and in everything by prayer and supplication to let a request be made known to God, to ask God to give us our daily bread? Why does He want us to pray? Why has He chosen to work through prayer? I can think of a few reasons. For one, God enjoys our fellowship. God is love. Love requires fellowship, communion. And prayer is communication, communion with God. Those of you who are married know that marriage is not much of a marriage if there's never any communication at all. And the same could be said for any close relationship. God enjoys our communion, our communication, our fellowship. Secondly, by allowing us to pray for His kingdom to come and His will to be done, His purposes to be done in our friends' lives, our family's lives, our workplace, our nation, God is allowing us to enter into partnership with Him in the coming of His kingdom and the doing of His will. He's giving us significant roles. He's giving us opportunity. He's allowing us a place in the kingdom business, the family business, doing His will. It's a high privilege. It's the same way with our giving. God allows us by our giving to participate in the eternal work of His kingdom. God allows us by our serving, by our praying, by our witnessing to other people to be in partnership with Him, to have a significant role with Him. And then, for all of eternity, He rewards us for our partnership in His purposes. Thirdly, I think one reason God's chosen to work through our prayers is that God actually changes us as we are praying. In the very act of prayer, we most likely don't feel it, probably don't even recognize it. But over time, as we observe in Scripture the lives of people who prayed much, people like Moses, people like uh, Elijah, people like the Apostle Paul, people like Nehemiah, we see them changing by time spent with God. God changes us In our times of fellowship, just as Moses' very countenance was changed by his time with God, the Bible says as we are beholding the glory of God, we are transformed, being transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. Elijah prayed in line with God's promise. Secondly, we see this in his prayer, Elijah persevered in prayer until the answer came. Elijah's praying, he's bowing on Mount Carmel, he's bowed down with his head between his knees, and he says to his servant, go up and look now toward the sea, that is to see if rain's coming. It had been three and a half years with no rain. He went and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go again seven times. At the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. Elijah wasn't going to get up from praying, he wasn't going to stop until it came. We don't know how far his servant had to go to see where the rain was coming, if it was a 15-minute walk or an hour's walk or a day's journey. The point is simply that the rain didn't come right away. Finally, it comes. The heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode to Jezreel. The rain came. Here's the point. Elijah had been promised... He'd go see Ahab, the rain would come. He had to pray for it. He prays in line with God's promise, but he had to wait in expectant faith for the rain God had already promised to come. Prayer often calls for perseverance. There's some of you who've been praying for change in the life of a Brother or sister or father or mother or son or daughter or friend or neighbor or co worker for a long time, maybe for years and years and years and years and years. Do not give up. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 18, in verse 1, to the effect that we ought always to pray and not to lose heart, to persevere. Elijah prayed according to God's promise. Elijah persevered, and this remarkable, nation-changing answer came. But there's one last thing I want to note about Elijah. Elijah was only human. That is, he was just like us. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he'd killed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, I'm going to kill you. Then he was afraid. Now this is the bold prophet who stood up against 450 prophets of Baal But he's really afraid now because this woman, Jezebel, apparently had quite a reputation, evil as was her husband. And he ran for his life and came to Beersheba. He went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Much has been written about this point in Elijah's life, and it's been written to make the case that a a very strong Christian leader can, and many do, experience not only fear, but deep discouragement and depression. And frankly, with the reputation Elijah had throughout Jewish history, as uh, the boldest of bold prophets, powerful prophets, I'm glad that Scripture gives us this glimpse into his life, that he had a nature just like ours, that he was only human. You may feel, if you go through times of depression or deep discouragement, that there's something especially wrong with you or wrong with your faith. Let me tell you, many, great Christian leaders throughout the history of the church have have suffered with depression. Suffering depression does not mean you are not a believer, it just means that's a place you've got to battle. And it would seem that Elijah is at the very least discouraged, if not depressed, and so God actually cares for his physical needs here. He lays down and sleeps under a broom tree, and an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. I think the Lord knew his servant was absolutely exhausted, and he cared for him. Sometimes this practical care is needed to restore the soul, when one is overtaxed or deeply depressed. But I'm glad the Lord shows us this side of the bold prophet of power, that he was only human. And in the New Testament book of James, chapter 5, we find an inspired commentary on this time in Elijah's life, the time when he prayed for rain. And James uses this to encourage us toward believing expectant prayer. And particularly, he uses it in a context of praying for one another and praying for healing in the lives of others in the church. And we're going to to use that as a model today. And in just a few minutes, have a time when we want to pray for you. If you're hurting in some way, if you need some type of healing, in your life, or if you'd like to come and have others pray with you for a family member or a friend, some issue, some struggle in your life, whatever it is, we want to do what James is going to tell us to do, to pray one for another. But first, let's read what he says. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now, what's this anointing with oil? We have little vials of oil here today, and we do anoint people with oil. To anoint someone with oil is simply to apply oil to the forehead, typically. Nobody's going to pour a bottle of oil on you. It's a little touch of oil. It's merely a symbol of the Holy Spirit nothing magic or medicinal about it. Oil is simply symbolic that it's the Holy Spirit who does the work, not us. It's He, the Lord our God. If He has committed sins, He'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, notice these words. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And notice the example James will use now. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah was only human. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now let's just briefly break down what James is saying. First of all, we see that God does call us to pray for one another. Pray one for another that you may be healed, verse 16 said. Secondly, I should note that our righteousness is secured by Jesus. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Uh, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working, James says. Now, you may be thinking, well, that rules me out. I'm not righteous. I still stumble and fail and fall. Our right standing before God, our righteousness before the Lord our God, could never be secured by our own good works, good deeds, or good intentions. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. But Jesus, in his death on the cross and the shedding of his holy, sinless blood, took the penalty for our unrighteousnesses, our law breaking, our sin so that through our faith in him we might be credited with his righteousness. That's why the Apostle Paul said, for our sake he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That merely means he bore our sin judgment so we could stand before our Holy Father God clothed in the righteousness of Christ, not our own. And so, we can take the words of James that tells us the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. We're righteous only because of Christ. And then James uses Elijah's example for us. Of all the Old Testament examples James could use, he takes this example of Elijah praying for uh, rain after a a three-and-a-half-year drought something that would affect an entire nation of people, one man praying, one person praying, and James is setting it as an example for us. And then finally, like Elijah's, our prayers can have great power. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So let me ask you this morning, your faith is in Jesus. You're counted as righteous because of him. What effect might your prayers have what effect might your prayers be having that you don't yet see or know on your family, your children, on your siblings, your parents, your neighbors, your coworkers? What effect might your prayers be having? It may be you're here today and you're simply experiencing Confusion about your faith, discouragement. Maybe you're struggling with some, some heavy weight emotionally, and you've prayed, but you, you you really would like to have some others join with you today, and to apply what James says: pray one for another that you may be healed. Maybe if it's a, maybe if it's a, maybe it's a physical ailment. So what I'd like to do right now during our service before we end is take some time for those who'd like to receive prayer to receive prayer. Way off to the side here on the front row, we've got two short rows of chairs that are uh, empty, and we have elders ready. If you'd like to be anointed with all, simply because James says to do that, I'm going to invite you uh, while I'm reading some scriptures and we have a little background music to simply come to one of those seats and let someone pray for you. Or you may go to these tables in the back. We call those our prayer tables. We'll have a number of folks there ready to pray for you about any need you have. So I would encourage you, don't miss the opportunity to receive prayer. There have been many times in my life when I have come to the leaders of our church for prayer. And I encourage you to do the same simply because God gives us the call to do that. And so now I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be reading some scriptures from the New Testament on the subject of healing as uh, those who wish to come, come. And uh, let's start that now, but first I'd like to pray. Father... As folks are going to the tables to pray and being prepared to come forward, I ask that your Holy Spirit oversee this time, that every person who needs prayer would receive prayer and that you would provide your gifts and your power to meet their needs. In the name of Jesus, amen.